So we're talking about gifts of the Holy Spirit because we are in a series called You Believe That? You see, we are taking our church through our theology interview that we have for people that want to come on staff and join our staff. And tonight we're talking about gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, you gotta understand the context and the magnitude of this moment when Jesus first started talking about Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to his disciples. You see, Jesus had been doing ministry for three years and it had been powerful ministry. And disciples were with him. He taught disciples. He healed the, the blind. He gave sight to the blind. He allowed lame people to walk. He was challenging the Pharisees. You see, he was turning the idea of servant leadership upside down, and he was setting this incredible example. And then one day he came to his disciples, disciples after three years of ministry, after they gave up everything to follow him, and he goes, um, so I can't stay with you guys any longer. I gotta go. Well, where, where, where you gotta go? He goes, well, I gotta go because I gotta go do something that I was sent down, I'm paraphrasing by the way, uh, I, I gotta go do something that I was sent down to this earth to do, but I promise you, I'm going, there's going to be something that is going to come that is going to be better than I am. And they gotta be thinking, you're nuts. We believed in you and all of these teaching and all these incredible things that we watched you do for such a long time, and now you're telling there's something better than you? You gotta imagine that they're thinking, you are absolutely out of your Mind. And in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, somebody who will be with you, someone who will go with you and go before you and be with you, who will never leave you. And they gotta be thinking, well, that's interesting because you said that you're gonna leave us, that you have to go, but now you're promising that somebody's coming with us, someone is coming with us that will never leave us? Okay, we'll bite. He is the Holy Spirit who leads in all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later he will be in you. you see, the Holy Spirit would not only come to comfort them, but to be with them. He would help continue the work that Jesus had begun, and the purpose of the Holy Spirit was so that it could be in all places with all people. And Jesus is like, this is what I'm promising you. This is what I want to leave for you, so that you can continue to be empowered to share the good news. And everything that I have done through you guys, through what my Father has done, through you guys, through the death and resurrection and inviting others to come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. You see, the Holy Spirit gave Jesus' followers spiritual gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they would continue to take that message of Jesus around the world. Look at Acts chapter one, verse eight. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, these gifts were essential. These things that Jesus was promising through the gift of the Holy Spirit, this, is going, this was going to be essential for leading the church, for building up the believers, and serving others as an example of God's love. You see, spiritual gifts God gives to believers are a part of his perfect plan. You see, Jesus' God's plan for earth, for redemption, was Jesus. 
But the plan to spread the gospel and good news of Jesus Christ, you and I, we were the plan A. We were his plan A for this. We were always meant to do this. And God knew that. That's why Jesus told his disciples, I can't hang around. There's something way better than me. They will never leave you. It will always be with you. And you're going to need all of the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings. You see, all the spiritual gifts in the Bible are significant and they, are, they work best when they are used in the context of a life within community of other believers, namely the church. So what, do, uh, what does the Bible talk about uh, about what gifts does the Bible talk about and what gifts are available? I'm gonna uh, throw, throw this up on the screen. I'm not throwing it up. The beautiful people up in the nest up there, which is what we call that, who are clicking all the buttons, making all this thing happen. They're the ones making this happen. They made this slide right here. These are all the spiritual gifts that the Bible talks about right here. You can take a look. We obviously don't have time because uh, we could go till 7 a.m. Uh, talking about all of these uh, without stopping. And we're gonna cover a couple of them specifically uh, tonight. But I want you to understand something. All of these spiritual gifts right here, these are actually different than abilities. These are actually different than the things that maybe you enjoy doing or an activity of some kind. You see, these are different than talents. These are different than, th than things that you might be good at or something that you are perfecting your craft over. Here's what I mean. You see, talents can be practiced and developed through hard work. And I want to share something with you, very personal. I have a pride problem. And I struggle with pride, particularly because of one thing that exists in the world today. And it's dirty dishes. That's right, you heard me right. I think that I can wash dishes better than anybody in this room. I believe that. I believe that I can wash dishes better than the dishwasher that is either to the right or to the left of the sink of wherever I happen to be washing dishes. I wasn't born with this gift. Maybe I was. But I've practiced, and I've perfected it, and I am meticulous. Now, when I go to people's homes, and they invite me over for dinner, whether it's family or friends or whomever it might be, the people who host believe it's a spiritual gift because I jump up out of my chair and I'm like, hey, I got the dishes tonight. And they're like, praise Jesus, that must be a spiritual gift that you have. But it is not a spiritual gift. You see, this is just some ordinary ability that I have. Oh, by the way, if any of you want to challenge me to a dishwashing competition, I'm all, I'm game, I'm ready. I'll take you down. But that's not a spiritual gift. That's just an ability. You see, oftentimes we think about abilities and spiritual gifts as the same thing. The thing I love about spiritual gifts are, is oftentimes they don't come natural to us. Sometimes they can. Sometimes we can grow into them. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But oftentimes, those spiritual gifts, they don't come natural to you, which is why you need the Holy Spirit, which is why you need to rely on the advocate, the counselor, the guide, the leader, the one that will be with you, the one that will never leave you. You see, people who do not have the Holy Spirit within them, they still have many talents. They're still good at a lot of stuff. And some of them might actually look like gifts, but they cannot access the enabling power of the Holy Spirit in exercising those talents or maybe even the things that they enjoy doing. 
and certainly not things that they don't enjoy doing, even though the Holy Spirit is empowering them to go do that, even though it may not be natural. You see, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are continuing to grow spiritually, and as you do that, oftentimes your gifts might become clearer. And over time, God will actually use circumstances in your life to help you better understand your gifts, and then subsequently use them as a part of his plan. But I want you to remember this. You cannot work harder to earn a particular gift. That's why it's called a gift. Nobody works hard at earning a birthday gift here. Nobody works hard at earning a Christmas gift here. That's why it's called a gift. It's a, here, I got this for you. It's a gift. It's free. It's for you. You see, when the Bible talks about grace, it's similar. It's describing things God gives us that we do not deserve and we also cannot earn. Spiritual gifts are gifts of grace here. And there's one more crucial thing that you need to understand about spiritual gifts. God gives them as an opportunity to expand and pour into and encourage the Christian community around you. One of the most important passages in the entire Bible that talks about spiritual gift in the Bible talk, uh, says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse seven. It says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Nowhere in that verse does it say me or I. It says we each other, us. You see, spiritual gifts, they're not designed to serve ourselves. So whichever gifts you've been given by God, it's not meant just for your personal use to gratify yourself, but it's actually used to grow and edify the believers. It's also good uh, used for the good of those around you, people he has placed alongside of you in this world, more specifically to further the good news and the kingdom of God. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. It says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work and build up the church, the body of Christ. That's the purpose of the gift. It's not for you. It's actually for someone else. Yeah, it's given to you, but its purpose is actually designed to serve other people. Which some of you might be asking tonight, okay, this doesn't really make any sense. If I'm given these gifts, but I have to go and turn around and be able to go serve somebody else, then what's in it for me? Why in the world should I subscribe to this idea of using a spiritual gift when it doesn't really further me? Well, I have this contention. I believe this to its core. I think that when you are actually using your spiritual gifts, you won't actually ask this question because you know exactly how it feels to use something that God has given you to go and serve somebody else. I heard it all the time in youth ministry. Been involved, was involved for youth ministry for about 20 years. I started when I was like three. And, uh, and, why are you laughing? Do I look older than 23? Is that, anyways, uh, so, uh, been in youth ministry for a long time, and I would constantly hear, and I experienced it myself, because when I was in college, I decided that I would get involved in youth ministry, and you know what I thought? I'm young, I'm excitable, I feel like I'm relevant, I feel like I'm going to relate to all of the things, which by the way, those are like the four bottom requirements to actually being a youth leader. Like those, none of those actually matter. And I thought, man, I'm gonna come in and I'm going to bless these 
kids. And at the end of five years of following a group of guys from eighth grade all the way through 12th grade, I got to the end of it and I watched them graduate. Many of them, many of them that I'm still in communication with and talk to and am friends with still today. And I got to the end of that and I was like, man, you guys got ripped off because I got way more blessed then I felt like I blessed you guys. You see, oftentimes when we think that we believe that these spiritual gifts are actually just a waste of time because they're not gonna serve us, serve other people, once you start using them, you begin to realize, oh my gosh, this is incredible. This is actually blessing people, and what it does is it actually fills you. So I wanna appeal to anybody in here tonight who might be skeptical, maybe watching online, whoever it might be, somebody in here or some people in here who would say, you know what, you're gonna have to convince me a little bit more that using a spiritual gift is worth my time. And I wanna help you consider that there are some very practical things that will actually happen in your life. Three things I wanna hit with you tonight. First, spiritual gifts will help. Number one, they will help you discover your purpose. And I wanna ask you a question, and I really want you to think about it. What has God put you on earth to do? What has God put you on earth to do? And I bet I could probably pick out probably three to five of the most popular thoughts that when I asked that question, you immediately thought of it. Well, work the job that I have. Be a good spouse. Be a good dad. Be a good mom. Be a good friend. Don't yell at people on the freeway. I'll do all those things. That's what I'm put on earth to do, but it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that because as Christians, remember, we are not citizens of this earth. We are citizens of heaven. Our stay here is only here for a little while, which means we've got to gather as many people and uncover the truth for so many people. And we do that by allowing the Lord to work through us, through our spiritual gifts. What has God put you on earth to do? And if you feel like you can't answer that, I got homework for you this week. And you're like, great. You're trying to convince me of stuff, now you're giving me homework, this is the worst. But I got homework for you. If you do not know what your spiritual gifts are, if you are a follower of Jesus, and I were to come to you after service, personally, and say, hey, what are your spiritual gifts? And you can't answer that? By tonight, before your head hits the pillow, you can know that. And I'm gonna invite you to go to crossroadschurch.family, and there's a link right there, and you're gonna be able to take a spiritual gifts assessment. And there's a bunch, there's 72 questions. It says it takes five to seven minutes to go through it. I took the test, it took me six minutes to go through it. And you go through and you answer these questions. And my encouragement is, is to answer them through one lens. Maybe it's a work lens, maybe it's how you are at home, whatever it is, think about that one lens. And don't spend time asking people, don't spend time looking up the definition of, I mean, unless you need to look up a definition of a word, look that up, but, but just, it's, it's a gut reaction. It's how do you feel about this? Do you strongly agree that you feel this way? Do you disagree? You go through and you take your assessment and then what will happen is, is you will be given results. And you'll be able to know what your spiritual gifts are. You see, it's so important that we understand what this is because without knowing this, you will never discover your purpose here on earth. You will never discover why God has actually placed you here on this earth if you are a follower of Jesus because it's so much more than just showing up, consuming, and leaving. It's showing up and it's serving. And yes, there's consumption going on in there where you're being poured into, but it's so much more than that. 
in Paul's second letter to Timothy, we actually get to peer into Timothy's life a little bit as Paul is encouraging him, and we actually see one of his spiritual gifts. It says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I'm reminding you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. When I laid my hands on you, for God has not given us a spirit of fear um, and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. You see, Timothy had been given this spiritual gift of faith, meaning that he had immense belief beyond what some of us, I don't have the spiritual gift of faith, by the way, where we actually believe wholeheartedly that God will actually do something. I don't have that. Timothy did, and Paul is reminding him, I want you to remember this. I want you to understand that this is why you have been given this. It's the full expectation that God will answer a prayer or complete a miracle. Timothy was encouraged by Paul to use his gift, to live in his purpose. Because in today's world, it's so easy to get pulled off course to not live in your purpose. Paul likely helped Timothy discover what his gift was which is exactly what we want to do as a church, as one of your pastors here. We would be remiss if we didn't offer you the opportunity to discover what your spiritual gift actually is. And by the way, they can change. They can change for different seasons. Different circumstances can bring on new gifts that God wants you to have, that the Holy Spirit wants you to be equipped with. For years, I would show up in youth ministry and I'd have brand new leaders, whether it was me or I was, I was helping lead a ministry and there would be people that would show up and they would serve and they'd be a little unsure. And I can't even begin to tell you, you could talk to uh, former JHM leaders uh, that I had the privilege of serving alongside while being here a few years ago. And you could talk to them and I have evidence, I have testimonies that there would be people that would show up to serve on the very first night and we'd do a debrief after, and they would come up and they'd say, you will not believe what happened tonight. I had a girl. She showed up to my small group. This would be a female uh, small group leader speaking, by the way. And uh, I had a girl show up, and she said that her parents got divorced when she was really young, and it's been a nasty divorce battle. And I looked at her, and I was stunned. Because when I was a little girl, the same exact thing happened to me. Story after story, all because people understood that their gifts needed to be used. Now, it doesn't take a gift to go serve in youth ministry. That's not a specific gift, but our gifts are designed to go and to be able to be used throughout the church. And it's so incredibly important because you will understand that you can discover your purpose, why you have been placed on this earth. And it's so much bigger than a job. It's so much bigger than a family. It's so much bigger than a community. It is God's work. That's how big this is. Spiritual gifts will help you discover your purpose. Number two, the second thing the spiritual gifts will help you, they will increase your potential. It will increase your potential. One of my favorite things to watch are sports drafts. So recently, the MLB draft just happened, and many of you probably haven't watched that. Many of you guys have watched the NFL draft, or maybe you've watched the NBA draft before if you've been a part of any, if, if you love sports. And the 
the, the, the single word that is used more than anything when it comes to a draft, a sports draft, to be able to get drafted to a team is this word right here. Everybody says, all the pundits, all the commentators like, oh, that guy's got great potential. Or, oh man, she is growing in her sport. Man, she has got great potential. You see, the same thing is actually true of you and I. We have incredible potential because God actually sees us for who we are. He sees that we have been equipped with a gift and he wants us to go use it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 19, it says this. Look at this. It's, I, I love this. This is the message translation. Uh, I'm gonna read this pretty quick. You ready? It says, I want you to think about how all of this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar, uh, similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot says, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to the body, would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like the eye, transparent, uh, tra- transparent and, and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. And then look at this last line right here. It says this, for no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. You see, when it comes to our potential, our potential is based everything in how will we fit into a team? How will our gift, how will our craft for a sports uh, athlete, how will my craft and everything that I've worked on, how will it be developed and how will it fit into the team? Which is why when you look at a draft, a sports draft of some kind, and professional teams drafting high school or college uh, 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 people, they recognize all of the different kinds of skills that they are looking for, and then they want to know Where would they fit on this team right here? You see, our potential is everything because Jesus looks at every single one of us and says, you got potential, you have potential, you have potential, you have potential. Every single one of us. There is no one person that is less than another when it comes to the kind of gift that God has given you. You see, using your gifts will actually help you realize that the thing that you are part of is bigger than the part that you play. And oftentimes, before we start using our gift, we think, like I thought when I was jumping into youth ministry to serve, that the part that I'm going to play is why I'm here. I'm here to play this part. But what you see after you start using your gifts is this, the thing that I'm a part of is actually more important and bigger and more uh, 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 vital than the part that I'm playing. Because we recognize that our gifts are not for us. Our gifts are to serve others. Our gifts are to glorify God, not ourselves. Using our gifts will help us realize that the thing that we're a part of is bigger than the part that you play. How many of you guys know Steve McKinley? How many of you guys know Steve McKinley? Steve McKinley, current SIA pastor, Crossroads Young Adults pastor, former JHM pastor. In 2018, when God called my family away from here and we obediently followed him out. I wanted to transition well because I believe that transitions out of an organization actually speaks more to a person than any amount of time that you spend with an organization. And so I wanted to care for that. And so when I broke the news that 
the Lord had been stirring in our hearts, not really ever believing that we would leave this place, I shared that news with Talia. And I told Pastor Talia, I said, Talia, we have, to, we have to leave. And I never thought I would say that. I never thought I would do that. But we believe that we're following God's call. So my responsibility during those three months was I want to make sure that I leave this ministry in better condition than it was handed to me because I believe in that. There was about six weeks left in the transition and Talia comes to me and she goes, hey, I have a question for you. Do you know Steve McKinley? I was like, yeah, I love Steve. She said, he came to me and asked if he could just help is there a way that I could, I know that the church has a need. I know that the ministry has a need. He was currently serving in high school ministry, so he knew a lot of our next-gen staff and our team and our students. And he was serving there and serving faithfully. And he came and he said, I, you, you, can, you can use me, however. I'm here to help. I'm here to, I'm here to serve. And she goes, what do you think about that? And I remember her saying that, and I looked down and I smiled, and I said, I think, it's, I think it's perfect, because he's coachable, and he's teachable, and he's super humble. Little did I know that the spiritual gifts that Steve actually has, one of his top spiritual gifts is service, that he sees a need, and he will just jump in and serve any way that's needed. I look at the transition out of our family leaving here and the success that JHM experienced in the months and years after. And that ministry under Steve's direction was the biggest that the ministry had ever been, which is incredible. And it was all because a man decided that he would just step up and say, hey, I, I, I got some gifts and I'm happy to use them. You see, Steve's potential blew up because he was willing to see a need and step in. He was willing to fill a gap. Since then, he's gone on to see you, and now Zach, Pastor Zach, he's grown that thing to be the biggest it's ever been. And you see an incredible legacy carried on by those two guys who were just willing to step in and serve. You see, Steve had already discovered his purpose. He knew what God put him on this earth to do. It was to serve. He had the spiritual gift of service to show up and say, what are the needs? I'm happy to help. And it's exactly what he did. He showed up and he helped. And then he increased his potential by stepping out and taking a risk by saying, I'm willing to put these gifts to use. I've been using them in high school ministry, but I'm willing to increase this potential. This potential and he continued to grow. He had discovered his purpose. He had increased his potential. And then he, along with all of us, then we stare at point number three. Because if we use our spiritual gifts, this will be true. We will maximize our impact. We will maximize our impact. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses six through eight. It says this. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, uh, speak out as, with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you the leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it 
gladly. Question, what kind of impact are you making? What kind of impact are you making? Look again at this verse. Go back, go back, uh, go back a slide up there, guys. Look at, look at this verse. Look at all the things that it's actually telling you. Look at all the things that it's highlighting. The kind of impact. You want to have an impact? Then do things well. Do things well. Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Serve well. Teach well. Next slide. What else we got? Encourage. Be encouraging. Give generously. Step into leadership responsibility seriously. Give generously and gladly show kindness. You see, impact is seen more through how we do and say things rather than what we are actually saying and doing. Our impact is so much bigger when we understand how we can go about doing that. Because remember, it's the work of the Holy Spirit moving in you. What kind of impact are you making? What kind of impact are you making? My encouragement is that you would maximize your impact. You will see maximum impact if you use your gift. If you understand that your potential is based more on the idea that the thing that you're a part of is bigger than the part that you play. So what will happen when I fill out this spiritual gifts assessment? What will happen? You'll get a response. Our team will contact you. And you will have opportunities to go and explore opportunities to jump into ministries and help serve. And we got a whole host of them. Opportunities to serve on Wednesday nights, opportunities to serve on the weekends, opportunities to serve in kids, JHM, HSM, and all kinds, every ministry here, there's an opportunity to serve. There is no shortage of opportunities. There is no shortage of opportunities. Discover your purpose. Increase your potential. Maximize your impact. These things will be true. But what about some controversial gifts? Let's move on to a couple things. Two, two gifts I want to talk about tonight. I'm, kind, I'm going to go through these rather quickly. Um, two, two gifts I want to talk about that, that get a lot of play. That get a lot of the spotlight kind of gets shined on them. The first one is healing. And the second one is speaking in tongues or interpretation. You see, while these gifts, healing and, and tongues... These two gifts, along with all the other gifts we believe here at Crossroads, they're all available and they are all active here today. We believe that God is sovereign and in total control and his will will be accomplished through the use of the gifts that we steward, not our own will. And so oftentimes we have to work against the idea that we think that we know what's going to happen because a gift is used a particular way. You see, God is far beyond our thoughts. He is way bigger than our thoughts than what we could imagine the results of our gift being used. The Apostle Paul is often used as an example of somebody who experienced and had the gift of healing. Look at Acts chapter 19, verses 11 and 12. It says this, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and diseases left them and evil spirits went out of them. You see, he had this gift of healing. And it would often be used. But yet we also find that there were some people that Paul came in contact with that weren't healed. That there was no evidence of healing. We, we discovered that there was a man named Trophimus. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20. It says, Erastus said in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick at Miletus. Epaphroditus 
a close friend of his in, in Philippians chapter two, verses 25 to 27. I'm not gonna read this, but Epaphroditus was sick. He was so sick that it says in verse 26 that he almost, or in verse 27, that he almost died. And yet we understand that maybe he wasn't healed. You see, for some reason, Paul, who had the gift of healing, didn't exercise this with his dear friend, or rather, God determined for reasons unbeknownst to us that sometimes God doesn't heal some, but he does heal others. But there's a caveat with all of that. Because healing eventually wears off. There's a 100% chance we're all gonna die one day. And we may experience temporary healing. I'll never forget on a Wednesday night when Tracy uh, shared up here on stage when we were, I don't even remember what it, what it was that night. And she said, I learned that sometimes healing comes day by day. That some days I'm healed and other days I'm not. That I experience pain-free days and maybe you're in the same boat. You see, for some reason, Paul, who had the gift of healing, didn't exercise it all the time, or rather God determined it wouldn't need to be used. In James chapter five, verses 13 through 15, it says this. It says, if anyone among you, is anyone among you in trouble, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make them well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. You see, we take this very seriously here because every Monday night, our elders uh, uh, are in the chapel and they will pray over you. And there are examples across our church of fervent, deep prayer that people have received, been prayed over, been anointed with oil by our elders that received healing. There have been examples where people haven't been healed. So healing is not the end all, be all, but it's important because we recognize that this gift is available and active today. What about tongues? Speaking in tongues. You see, a common question that arises in Christian circles is this. Is speaking in tongues the only evidence of having the Holy Spirit? There are some Christian circles that say, if you have the Holy Spirit, you will therefore be able to speak in tongues, which actually goes a step further, which actually implicates that if you can't speak in tongues, you're not saved. And we here at Crossroads, we don't believe that. There are three occasions in the book of Acts where speaking in tongues was accompanied by the receiving of the Holy Spirit. However, these are the only three occurrences in the Bible where that happens. Throughout the book of Acts, other spots in Acts, and throughout Scripture, thousands of people believed in Jesus, and nothing is said in those moments of those people speaking in tongues. Nowhere in the New Testament is it taught that speaking in tongues is the only evidence that a person has received the Holy Spirit. In fact, every, in fact, the New Testament actually teaches the opposite of this. We are told that every believer in Christ actually has the Holy Spirit. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. It says, Now you Gentiles have also heard the truth and the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. That's what sets you apart. That when you believe in him, you have the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. There's another part there, but I'm skipping that because I'm running out of time here. 
Romans 8, 9 says this, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. You see, the evidence of the Holy Spirit is not tied to the ability of speaking tongues. The evidence of the Holy Spirit is an evidence of a life fully surrendered to God. Fully surrendered to God. In addition to all of this, Paul makes it incredibly clear that not every believer actually speaks in tongues. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says this. It says, are we all apostles? In verse 29 and 30, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. We don't all have those. We don't all have those. In addition to this clarity that Paul speaks on tongues being evidence of the Holy Spirit, which isn't true, Paul speaks even further about instructions regarding tongues. You see, oftentimes, when a person is speaking in tongues, most people, and sometimes even no one, will actually understand what is being said. And in an effort to avoid self-glorification, Paul makes it clear that an interpreter is needed. Look at what he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 2-5. through It says, For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Verse four, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. You see, what's so interesting to me is this. The two most prominent areas in scripture that talk about tongues and the interpretation of tongues and all that is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And if you've had your nose in any Bible whatsoever or even been to a wedding, you know what sits right in, or you can count. You, can, you know what sits in between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 13. And you know that whole chapter is dedicated to love. But I actually want to highlight something really, really, really intriguing. That at the very end, I'm going to show you two verses. The very end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the very beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Look at these two verses. It says this, but now let me show you a way of life. Uh, it should be a way of love that is best of all. Let me show you a way of life. And what is, he, what is he talking about? What is he pointing to? What is he referring to? Because the very next words out of his mouth are love. Love. And then he gets to the very end of that. And at the very beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, look what he writes. He says, let love be your highest goal. Let love be your highest goal. How would we know how to do that? What kind of example would we follow knowing that love is our highest goal? It would be a love that would only be experienced through a sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That he came down to this earth to die on a cross for you and I. And oftentimes we look at scripture and we get wrapped up in some of the things that we might debate about. And we might disagree about, or we might interpret differently. But the whole point is this, 
that it's our love that matters. But in order to show the world love, in order to show others love, the life-transforming love that only Jesus could express through us, we have to be willing to say yes to the love for us. And that's by saying, God, I need you. I need to say yes to you. And so I'm gonna give everybody in this building, watching online, an opportunity to say yes to the Lord if you've never said yes to him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? God, I thank you so much that in this passage, even in the the topic that we talked about tonight, God, we can't escape love. We can't escape your love for us. We can't escape this identity that we have in you because of what you did for us. And so for anybody in here tonight, if you need to come to him, if you need to say yes to him, if you've never submitted yourself to the lordship of Jesus Christ, Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, well, the spiritual gifts sound really great, but I'm not a follower of Jesus. Those gifts await. They're waiting for you. But in order to receive those gifts, you gotta say yes to the greatest gift in Jesus. So if that's you, and you wanna say yes to him, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that. Around here, we pray a prayer. It's not a fancy prayer, it's not a long prayer. It's a simple prayer that says, God, you are God and I am not. And I need you to be the Lord of my life. So I'm gonna pray this prayer silently. I'm gonna pray this prayer out loud and I'm gonna ask you to repeat it to yourself silently right where you sit in this building, out on the patio, watching online. If you wanna say yes to him or you need to come back to him, I'm gonna invite you to pray this prayer right where you're at. Pray this. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for making me whole. And thank you for making me brand new. I say yes to you. Yes, I want your love. Yes, I want the life you have for me. So fill me with your love and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I thank you, and I love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, and amen if you prayed that prayer. Amen if you said yes. Amen if you said, Lord, I'm saying yes to that gift. And in just a second, one of the ways that we make that known here, we believe in the power of doing something based on that decision. And in just a moment, We're all gonna stand and we're gonna sing. And if you're watching online, I invite you to text the word amen to 77247. Because what we wanna do is we wanna resource you. We wanna celebrate with you. Thanks again for joining us. Here at Crossroads, we're all about helping people take their next step. So, what's your next step? Whether you've made a decision to follow Jesus, want to be baptized, or you're interested in knowing more about God and the Bible through our Alpha class, we can help you take your next step at crossroadschurch.family. We also want to invite you to gather your family and friends to join us right here online again next week. 
So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss out on any new messages. If you found this message encouraging, click the like button and let us know how we can pray for you this week in the comments. Finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads and if you wanna be part of making an impact all over the world, you can head to crossroadschurch.family to do that now. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time.